why do I keep alienating and hurting people? Why do I sabotage my relationships with my children? How can God change me? It's like I'm shackled and chained to it. Uh, George feels helpless. About a year ago, Jasmine, uh, Jasmine stuffed up. It just happened so fast. We were together. It was our third date, she said. Things got out of hand. We ended up breaking up about six months later. She said she's never felt so guilty, so ashamed before God. How can God forgive me? Mary, Mary's a busy mum. She makes the lunches, does the school run twice a day. She makes the bed, she cleans the house, she goes to the swimming carnivals, she listens to her son practice violin in the room. And every day she finds time to kneel and to say her prayers. She feels she keeps the rules. But God is distant. God's up there and she's down here. Why is it like that? She says. Abraham, Abraham's a good man. When it comes to him and God, he ticks all the boxes. He does all the right things. His parents love him and, and they're proud. His kids thinks, think he, thinks he's the bee's knees. But one day in a quiet moment, he says... How do I know I've done enough? I just can't get this feeling off my back. I never feel free. I actually feel like I'm a slave to it all. Well, friends, as we return to uh, chapter 1, verse uh, 1 Peter, chapter 2, and particularly we're looking at verse 10 today. And again, as we think about who God says we are, we read in his word that there is good news, that we can be free, free from the burden of guilt, free from shame and expectations, free from obligation, freedom for Jasmine, freedom for George, freedom for Mary, freedom for Abraham, and freedom for you and me. So I'd love you to turn now with me to, if you're not already, I can hear some pages flicking, which is great. Turn now with me to 1 Peter chapter 2, and we're going to have a look at verse 4. And uh, I want you to have your Bibles open. Big fan of having Bibles open in front of us. See, we've got a number of roles in church together, but one of your roles is to make sure that I'm actually saying what's in here. All right? You've got a job, not only to listen, but you've got to make sure that I'm saying what God's saying. I could, you know, I'm just, just me. We've got to make sure I'm saying God's word. So have your Bible open, and it's good for us to see the context of where I'm talking about as well. There's an outline too in your uh, program bulletin as you came in. There it is. That'll help you to know how long I have to go. <laughs> <clears throat> so we're going to read this section, a section we spent time on the last couple of weeks, and I want you to notice this time, though, notice the freedom, notice how freedom is characteristic of the people of God as we come to Jesus. So, 1 Peter 2, verse 4. As you come to him, the living stone, 
rejected by men but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who puts the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe this stone is precious, but to those who do not believe this the stone the builders rejected has become the capstone, and a stone that causes men to stumble, and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. So, first then, Peter tells them they were once not a people, but now you are the people of God. So God says, see verse 4 again, as we come to Jesus, we are a people of privilege. That's the first thing we want to say. Now remember, Peter's writing, Peter writes to these believers who are scattered throughout modern day Turkey. They're exiled. They have no real home. They're outsiders. They're persecuted. They're suffering. They've lost their jobs. Their friends don't talk to them anymore. They're looked down upon for the sake of Jesus. In fact, it hardly sounds particularly privileged, does it? In fact, even today, I'm not sure that I'd use that word to describe followers of Jesus. Privileged. Yet, here in verse 9, those who come to Jesus, and we should start to know this pretty well by now, shouldn't we, uh, are chosen personally by God. Ephesians 1 says, before the creation of the world, God has chosen you as a Christian person, as a follower of Jesus, to be his. Chosen personally by God, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's own possession, a people belonging to God. A privileged people, a people of privilege. Now, if you're, if you're old enough, you might remember uh, getting one of these letters. You remember letters, don't you? Letters come in a little box out the front of your house. Uh, they're about that big. Sometimes they're quite big and you open them up and there's paper. And, anyway, um, remember getting, you might have got a letter like this before. Dear Mr Smith... Quite frankly, the American Express card is not for everyone. And not everyone who applies for card membership is approved. However, don't you love the however? For a moment there, you're thinking, oh no, I'm not quite sure I'm going to be approved. Have I done enough? Uh, However, I could be in. However, because we believe in you, No, no, it says we believe you, but anyway. Because we believe you will benefit from card membership, I've enclosed a special invitation for you to apply for the most honoured and prestigious financial instrument available to people who travel, vacation, and I love that bit, and entertain. And it goes on and on and on. You get a truly impressive array of extra privileges, all designed for your convenience and security. Membership has its privileges. Do you remember that phrase? You remember seeing the ads? Membership has its privileges. It was and still is the American Express slogan. In fact, there's even an American Express Instagram account that you can follow. 
wouldn't that be exciting? Uh, <laughs> but what American Express offers is left for dead. It's left for dead when it comes to the honour and privilege of being the people of God. Friends, could there be a more privileged and honoured membership than that? No. No. And unlike the American Express, you see, God's offer is a genuinely free offer. This invitation comes with no strings attached. For membership with all the privileged uh, privileges, nothing extra to pay, nothing extra to do, is by the mercy of God. Membership without a catch. God's work and God's alone, not rules, not rituals, not special prayers, uh, only the mercy of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. We're on point two of our outlines, if you're following along. The free offer of membership by the mercy of God. Friends, you see, mercy is, mercy is, is not something we see very often, is it? It's, it's tragic in many ways. We don't. But mercy, what is it? It's about favour. Isn't that right? Mercy is about favour. It's about compassion. How would you define it? Uh, it's about pardoning the offender. It's about forgiveness rather than punishment or payback. Mercy is a gift. You can't earn mercy. doesn't make sense. Mercy is a gift. Towards the end of the, um, uh, the musical Les Miserables, now I'm not a big musical type of guy. Uh, give me a rock band any day. Um, but this musical particularly, um, there's a great scene towards the end which demonstrates such mercy. In a moment I'll play the video. That's my cue for the guys to start panicking. I'm about to play it. Um, Jean Valjean, he's, a guy, he's, he's the character played by Hugh Jackman. Um, he's finally come, if you know the story, finally come face to face with his, let's call him his nemesis, his hunter, the ruthless policeman Javert, who's played by Russell Crowe. Except it's Jean Valjean who's holding the knife, who's got the pistol in his hands this time. Javert, who has caused so much pain and anguish and fear in Valjean and his adopted daughter, daughter's life, he's captured, he's tied up, and, and Javert's awaiting justice. But Jean Valjean has the power to kill him right there and then in this, in this climactic scene. The power to take revenge to punish him for all the pain that he's caused him. Well, uh, let's see what he does. Eyes forward. Eyes to the roofs. Eyes to the roofs. Thank you, monsieur. Give me no thanks, monsieur. There's something you can do. If it is in my power, give me the spy, Chabert. Let me take care of him. Do what you have to do. The man belongs to you. No. again 
You've hungered for this all your life. Take your revenge. How right you should kill with a knife. Get out of here. Don't understand. Clear out of here. Once a thief, forever a thief. What you want, you always steal. You would trade your life for mine. Yes, Valjean, you want a deal. Shoot me now for all I care. If you let me go, beware. You still answer to Javert. You are wrong. Always have been wrong. I'm a man, no worse than any man. You are free. There are no conditions, no bargains or petitions. There's nothing that I blame you for. You've done your duty. Nothing more. If I come out of this alive, you will find me a Rue de la Mame, number five. No doubt our paths will cross again. It's a pretty cool scene, isn't it? It is a pretty cool scene. I love the line, did you catch it? The line that says, you are free, there are no conditions, no bargains or petitions. There is nothing that I blame you for. I'll tell you why I love it. I love it because it reminds me what we read in the Bible. It reminds me of Jesus. It reminds me of the mercy of God. For friends, we are the, the, the guilty, the ones enslaved, the Bible uses the word sin. We're the ones who have said to God, uh, not you, but me. And what sin does, the Bible says, is enslaves us. It ties us up. It affects our whole lives. Uh, it captures us. We're the ones who have rejected the one who has given us life. And so the Bible says that the just punishment of death awaits. Yet... In love for us, God offers us mercy, forgiveness. Mercy that frees us from the penalty of sin. Freedom. No conditions, no bargains or petitions. There is nothing that he blames us for. You see, those who come to Jesus have been ransomed, 1 Peter 1 says, the price has been paid for our sin by the precious blood of Christ. He traded his life for ours. 1 Peter 3.18 says, For Christ died for sins once and for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. By God's mercy, we've gone from darkness into his marvellous light, from death to life, from shame to honour. Remember verse 6 there, whoever believes in him will not be put to shame, so the honour is for you who believe. Can you imagine for a moment, imagine for a moment 
the people that Peter was writing to when they heard this, after all they had been through and after everything that they lived, to be honoured, no shame. So here's the word that Jasmine, who feels like God can never forgive her, here's the word that she must hear. No shame for those in Jesus, only mercy, only forgiveness and only freedom. That's why Jesus died, you see. That's why, in fact, he came. He came to offer that mercy. He came to offer that honour. God is the one, you see, who cuts us free from the burden of guilt, from the weight of rules and religion. Being good will never be good enough. Won't cut it. Because we simply cannot be good enough. But Jesus is good enough. Jesus' perfect sacrifice has done it all. All that is needed and possible to impress God. So the Abrahams amongst us who, who, think, who keep thinking they can do it themselves, who keep thinking that it's what I do that makes, it, makes God happy with me, who keep thinking that, well, if I just come to church, if I just do this, if I just do that, then they'll impress God. But no, 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 that doesn't work that way. We can't. You can't impress God. Only Jesus can. That's why Jesus died for us. Back in 1986, there was a great movie, um, a Robert De Niro film called The Mission. Uh, you mightn't have seen it, but you probably would have heard some of the music from it, Gabriel's oboe, if that helps at all. Uh, Robert De Niro plays the role of a murderer and he's, who is told that he must do penance. He must earn his forgiveness. And so what he has to do, he's told that he, by these, these uh, Catholic priests, he's told he must drag this load of swords and armour. You can sort of see pictures of it up there. Very heavy, very cumbersome, very difficult. He must drag that up, this, these waterfalls and cliffs, to reach this tribe of Indigenous people whom the missionary priests have been working with. It, it sure makes a dramatic scene, fantastic scene in the movie, when he finally gets to the top, there's the people waiting, him, gets, waiting for him and he gets, he gets the, the, the knife comes out and he gets cut free and, and the, the priest kicks it over the edge and down it tumbles, mud everywhere and uh, it's amazing. But when it comes to him and God, well, he's wasted his time. He's wasted his time and effort. See, forgiveness of sin, God's mercy is a gift. You can't earn it. You can't earn it. This man needed to be told, come to Jesus. And the truth, as Jesus says, will set you free. The truth of the gospel that we're hearing this morning. So, friends, it's not just the freedom from the penalty of sin... By God's mercy, as we come to Jesus, Christians are also free from the power of sin. So God is building us like living stones into a spiritual house, a holy priesthood. So those who come to Jesus, now that term is actually, 
technical for a minute in the Greek, it's actually a participle. It's, a, it's an ongoing thing as well. Those who keep coming to Jesus, to keep trusting in him, to keep reading his word and saying, this is Jesus' word to me. If Jesus is who he said he is, that makes a difference to me in my life. I'm going to follow what he says. So those who come to Jesus are God's temple, God's building, where God dwells in us by his spirit. Not bricks and mortar. If this building got burnt down, I hope not, it's a great building, but if it did, God's church would still be here because it's us. God actually working in us by his spirit. And you see, what we read here is that God is doing the building and shaping. God is the one doing the designing, Even in fact. We are God's special building project. God is the engineer. God is the architect. God's the designer. God's the builder. God's the on-site manager. God is working in us to forgive us and change us by his spirit, with us now, not distant. Friends, we don't often feel God. I don't know about you, but sometimes I don't feel God with me. Uh, but the truth is, the facts are that God is, as we trust in Jesus, as we come to him, the facts are that he is with us by his spirit. Mary needs to hear that, doesn't she? Maybe you need to hear it today. What you feel when it comes to you and God doesn't really matter. doesn't matter that much. What matters is what you know. And what you know is the promises of God, that God is with us, God is with you by his spirit now, whether you feel it or not, as you come to Jesus. Friends, we're not finished products. I put my hand up. We, we all sin and still stuff up. But as we keep coming to Jesus and trusting in him for forgiveness, trusting in him and his word to shape us and mould us, God is freeing us from the power of sin. You get that? God is freeing us from the power of sin as we keep coming to him. Sin has no longer has control Jesus does. Jesus is our Lord, which means as a Christian, he's our boss. We, we, we trust in him, believe in him, we live for him. He's our king. As we come to him, God is freeing us from the power of sin in our lives. So keep coming to Jesus. Keep coming to him. Get to know Jesus more and more. Get to know him. He is building us to be more like him, God is. This is fantastic news, isn't it? <laughs> this is fantastic news. It's great news that God is actually working in us, working in you. Remember George? Uh, George keeps alienating people and sabotaging his relationships. He feels helpless. He feels sort of chained to his mistakes. He just can't oh, break free. But he's not helpless. By the mercy of God as he comes to Jesus, God will build him into a living stone to be more like Jesus, holy and loving and obedient to God. That's the promise of God as he keeps coming to Jesus. God keeps his promises. It's really good. It's really good. Well, friends, let's tie a few things together. Here's, here's what we've read today in God's word. 
that those who come to Jesus by the mercy of God, God's privileged people, are no longer slaves, no longer slaves to sin, to fear, to guilt, but by the mercy of God, those who come to Jesus and keep coming to Jesus are free. God, Jesus invites us into that freedom. Freedom from the penalty of sin and freedom from the power of sin. Jesus invites us into that. Now maybe, maybe you're a George, maybe you're a Jasmine, uh, maybe you're a, a Mary or an Abraham. Maybe you're just you. <laughs> but we all need to hear the words of Jesus today. We read them before. Come to me all who labour and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. I'm going to put up in a moment uh, a little prayer. It's not a magic thing or anything. It's, it's, it just sums up well what we've been talking about uh, today. It's a prayer that actually accepts Jesus' invitation. I want you to have a look at it for a moment. Have a look at it in your head. Today, if you want to come to Jesus, perhaps even for the first time, uh, perhaps you've been coming to church for 50 years, perhaps you've been coming to church for almost an hour, (laughs) Uh, perhaps today's the day where you say, I actually want to come to Jesus and come to Jesus um, and accept his invitation and start and keep coming to Jesus. Today's that day where we just simply say to God, I'm, I'm sorry, I, I, I've been like this. I don't want to do that anymore. I know that I can't do it myself and I need Jesus. If you've done that already, and I know many of you have in this room, if you've come to Jesus and, and, and he is your king, your Lord, then why don't you, as we pray this, why don't you pray for everyone else in this room? Pray for them too. Uh, I'm going to say this phrase by phrase. I'm not going to do this every week. I'm going to do it now and then. I'm going to pray this phrase by phrase. And in the quietness of your own heart, why don't we talk to God? And we know that God is listening. And we know know that God's offer of forgiveness is real and free. So let's, let's all pray. Let's pray. Dear God, I know that I'm not worthy to be accepted by you. I don't deserve your mercy, your gift of eternal life. I'm guilty of rebelling against you, of being the offender. I need forgiveness. Thank you for sending your son to die for me that I may be forgiven. Thank you for the freedom Jesus brings. Thank you that he rose from the dead to give me new life. Please forgive me and change me. 
that I may live the way you have created me to be. Amen. Father, we, uh, we thank you for your goodness to us. Lord, we thank you that, um, uh, that Jesus came to this earth, earth to give us that freedom, that freedom from the burden of guilt and sin and shame, but instead, Lord, to make us a privileged people, a people of honour. Thank you for that freedom. Thank you for that forgiveness. Lord, we pray for anyone today who, who might have prayed that prayer for the first time. Uh, Lord, we pray that today's the day when we, when we all um, not only give thanks to you, but uh, come to you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for the invitation that you've given us. Um, in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, Graham. It's uh, a message that you can't hear too many times. And uh, yeah, that uh, scene from that movie was.